this could have been just like chocolate or muffins or whatever you like. So the truth this morning is, Pastor Damien isn't in the building, and I'm not preaching. Let me just tell you a little bit of something about who is going to preach. This person is amazing. Amazing in every way. And let me tell you why this person is so amazing, not just to me. This person is such, I don't know how to explain it other than this, she's such a digger, that's kind of a little reminder. She's such a digger of the Word of God. And when I know when she's been somewhere and she's dug into the Word of God and she just begins to share it with me, I'm like, wow, where did you find that? I mean, it just blows me away. She's a hundred times smarter than I am when she digs into the word like that. So would you join with me this morning in giving a great applause to Pastor Stacy? So by the way, just before she starts, we're going to pray for her. By the way, this isn't her most favorite thing to do. <laughs> I think she would be willing to admit that, like, this isn't her most favorite thing, but she's really good at it when God gives her something. So I just ask that you pay uh, great attention to what she's going to give you this morning, glean from it. So Father, we just thank you right now in the name of Jesus for the word that's going to come forth, God. And I thank you that when your word comes forth from the throne room of heaven, it comes forth in power and authority. God, and so I thank you that this word is going to do exactly what you intended it to do. Nothing more, God, and nothing less. So, God, we give you praise. We just speak peace over her right now, God, in Jesus' name. And everybody says? Amen. He's right. This is not my favorite place to be. He, uh, I asked him to copy my notes off for me. So he came to the church and he copied them off for me. And uh, he came home and he handed them to me and he went, how long are we going to be there tomorrow? I'm like, um, as long as Holy Spirit says. I know an uh, apostle, he always said, uh, you don't have to give it all at one time. Well, I don't know the next time I'm going to be up here. But when Holy Spirit's done, I'm done. Let's go ahead and pray. Father, I thank you for who you are. I thank you that you are good and that you are so incredibly faithful to us, Lord. As I am the arrow in your quiver, as you take me out and line me up with your bow, may it be shot out as truth bombs that hits every single heart as truth as truth, as truth can separate and bring darkness, make it light. As it can expose the lies, as it can bring freedom. I thank you for every heart, for every listening ear, that every ear would be open to hear exactly what Holy Spirit is saying to each and every heart. No matter what is spoken up here, Holy Spirit has something for each heart out there. We will not go back. I declare we will not go back out these doors the same as we came in. 
There will be chains broken from truth. There will be addictions that will be left at the altar. There will be worries and sorrows left here. I thank you, Lord, for everything you want to do in this place. Truly, truly show us your glory. Show us your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. So Elder Melissa said she was going to open this morning and told me what she was going to open with. I'm like, um, I, um, that's stealing. I have that. Um, but it was a, a beautiful prelude uh, to what the Holy Spirit had given me. And he had given me this, um, this word for quite a while. And he would just begin to drop things into my spirit. Um, when Angie asked if there was a title that they could put on the, the web page, and I'm like, I don't know, uh, his presence, <laughs> uh, which is really what it does boil down to. Um, we all know that we're priests. We're priests and we're kings. And in our priesthood, um, it's to minister to him. And as you know, in uh, the Old Testament, we're not priests of the Old Testament. We're of the New Covenant of the Melchizedek order, but the priests back then had to go into the Holy of Holies through the veil and minister there, and he could only do it once a year. But Jesus, Jesus made it so that veil was rent, and we could go into that veil whenever we wanted. And he never hides from us. He never, ever hides his face from us. So what I want to do is we're going to go behind the veil today. And the veil is already open. And we're going to see him. We're going to touch him. And we're going to smell him today. And maybe some of you are already smelling him because in his presence is his fragrance. And it's a sweet, sweet fragrance. The word presence, the Hebrew word for that is paneum. Paneum. And it actually means face. Seek my face. So the presence of God is his face here before us. We are face to face with the God Almighty, which is a humble thing. So paneum is the most fruitful word that you're probably going to find in the word. It's found 2,100 times in the word. And again, it's translated to face, but it also means presence, surface, front, before, and countenance. So from the beginning to the very end of the word, we can find this word. It's so significant because what happened, they were exiled from his presence in Genesis. The very first, the very first place 
we're going to find Penaeum is Genesis 1, 1 through 3. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and void, and the darkness was over the surface, which is the face of the deep. The Spirit of God was moving over the surface, the face of the waters. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. So we have the surface of the deep, the face of the deep, and we have God's face, the Spirit, was hovering over the deep. And we have the waters, just hovering over the waters, face to face, is where we find him illuminating the earth. He lit up the earth. He lit up the depths of the waters with his presence, with his face. I can't even imagine what that would look like at the beginning of time as he is just hovering over and lighting, illuminating everything. And that's still what he does for us today. When we see him face to face, He's illuminating things to us. So Genesis really kind of shows us that Jesus' presence illuminates us. And it shines in the earth. It illuminates everything. Psalms 119, 135. Make your face shine upon your servant and teach me your statutes. This was David asking, Lord, shine upon me. There are many of these scriptures, but one of the ones that I'm sure everybody is going to know is number 6, 24 and 26. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. So his face is shining upon you. Uh, my friend Beth was telling me I haven't looked, in, looked up anything on it, but she said in this verse, really what's happening in it is so incredibly humble that when he is blessing us, it says the Lord blesses you and keeps you and his face shines upon you. He is actually bowing before us in doing this. I thought, wow, that is an incredible picture. And the word countenance in this verse, I looked it up in the uh, Merriam-Webster dictionary, and it says, look, expression, face, character. Appearance, vision of the eye, feelings of the heart, favor, goodwill, kindness, resemblance, loving, merciful, gracious, gentle, patient, long-serving, suffering. Who does that sound like? Sounds like our God. He imparts those things, his countenance, those things are his countenance. 
He imparts those things to us when he is shining his face upon us. So the very first time that we come face to face with God is in the second chapter of Genesis, verse 7. Do you know by chance how close you have to be to somebody to give them CPR? Right there. Right there. And that's where Adam was, right? The Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground. He breathed the breath of life into the man's nostrils, and the man became a living person. So when Adam opened his eyes, who did he see? Face to face, his God was before him, right there. He was in his face. You know, I can't imagine Adam and Eve walking in the garden. And that's why Jesus came. He came to full circle, bring the garden back. But Adam and Eve, they got to continually walk with him, talk with him, be with him, 24-7, face-to-face, walking through the cool of the day, the breeze. He walked with them. They got to do that. They were always seeing his face, walking in fellowship with him. They got to know him. It's pretty hard to know somebody if you don't get to be with them in their presence. phone is okay, but there's a whole lot that shows on a face when you see somebody in person, doesn't it? Facial expressions say a whole lot. Sometimes, you know how people say, you wear your emotions or your face on your sleeve. That's a good or a bad thing. Well, in God's case, that's a really good thing. He wears everything on his face. They got to know his love for them. They got to know during that time how to rule and reign in that place that he had given them. And then, and then they chose to sin. I used to say, I want to have a talk with Eve when I get up there. But the Lord said, you'd have done the same thing. All right, yeah, you're right. Probably would have. It probably would have needed, like Betty, I probably would have needed chocolate on that fruit, though. It's going to have to be a little bit more enticing than, uh, we don't know that it was an apple, but this piece of fruit. But the enemy makes things appealing to us. Like, hey, you're missing out on something. You're missing out on something. You know, every time you're trying to sit down, you're trying to enter into his presence. Ten million other things come into your mind. Hey, what about this? Hey, this is a little bit more fun. Let's do this. But because of the sin, they were kicked out from the garden. Gate shut. Flaming angels standing in. They couldn't even sneak inside. But the thing is, 
he had to kick them out. They had to be separated because if they went back in and they ate the tree of life, we'd be separated forever at that point. So he put his flaming angels in front to keep them from his presence. That's, that, that, I can't imagine possibly what that did to their, their heart, what they thought. You know, the word doesn't tell us, but I can't imagine being in his presence, have been in his presence, his presence here now, his face, face to face with him. Having that taken away, you know, David would say, take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Take not thy Holy Spirit from me. So Elder Melissa did a beautiful job of setting this up for me um, in saying where the tent was pitched outside of the camp because of the sin. Um, and when Moses would go out there, um, everybody would stand in their tent doorways as well as the Lord and his pillar stood at the doorway of the temple meeting face to face with Moses. And as long as he would stay there and meet face to face, they stood in their doorway. But let's read a little bit further in Exodus 33, 18 through 23. Then Moses said, please show me your glory. And he said, I myself will make all of my goodness pass before you. And will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious. And I will show compassion to whom I will show compassion. He further said, I cannot, you cannot see my face. For mankind shall not see me and live. And then the Lord said, behold, this is a place by me. And you shall stand there on the rock. And it will come out while the, my glory is passing. And I will put you in the cleft of the rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed by. And then I will take my hand away so you should see my backside. But my face shall not be seen. So I thought, oh, hello, just a little bit ago, he was seeing you face to face. So why isn't he allowed now? So I, I just kind of sat with him for a few days. And um, he said, you know, I relate to my people and how you can relate. Uh, much of the word, if we dig, is over, over in the Middle East. Many of the parables we would see are parables that they would understand in the Middle East. So we've got to find the meaning of what that meant to them. And so that's what had happened here. He showed me that we relate face to face, one to another, our face. And Abraham had met with the Lord of hosts face to face. It was an angel that had come down. He had the face of an angel, though. But Abraham knew that it was God. 
And so, although it's not physical form, it's not a physical face, physical eyes, physical hands and feet, that's how he can help us relate to him because there's much in the word on his eyes, his hands, his feet. But he is spirit. If he had shown his face to Moses, Moses could not have handled it. It would have been way too much. He could barely handle seeing his backside, which is incredible. He was even changed from seeing the backside of him. Moses collapsed in worship when he saw his glory, his goodness pass by him. And we know that's not the only time he saw that because he went up that mountain time and time and time again. And he would come down with his face illuminated that the children of Israel was wanting to put a veil over his face because he was so illuminated from being in the presence of God. In John 14, 9, Jesus replied, I have been with you all this time, Philip, and yet you still don't know who I am. Anyone who has seen the Father, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. So why are you asking me to show him to you? So Jesus walked the earth in all of his deity. And we could see a physical face. The disciples got to see a physical Jesus. But what he was showing him was, as they were seeing him, they were also seeing the Father. Everything that was on Jesus' face, every part of his character, everything that he was, he was showing the Father. And yet time and time again, they're like, hey, Jesus, we know you, but what about the Father? You know, that's where it came uh, when Jesus asked the disciples, who do you say that I am? They kept telling him who everybody else was saying that he was. He's like, I don't care about everybody else. I don't, I'm not worried about them. Who do you say that I am? And finally, Peter spoke up and said, you're the anointed one. You're the Messiah. And he's like, ah. Finally, somebody has seen the face of the Father in me. Because it was the Father that revealed that to Peter. In his presence, there's revelation. Peter caught that revelation from the Father, from the presence of Jesus. So if we really want to see his face, which is his all-encompassing glory, 
like Moses did. We have to do exactly what Elder Melissa did this morning. All we have to do is ask. That's all Moses had to do was ask. You have not because you ask not. All we have to do is ask. Matthew 17, 1 through 9. Six days later, Jesus took Peter and his two brothers, James and John, and led them up to the mountain to be alone. As the men watched, Jesus appeared, appearance was transformed so that his face shone like the sun and his clothes became as white as light. Suddenly, Moses and Elijah appeared and began talking with Jesus. Peter exclaimed, Lord, it's wonderful for us to be here. If you want us to make three shelters, memorials for you, one for Moses and one for Elijah. And even as he spoke, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And the voice from the cloud said, this is my dearly loved son, whom brings great joy. Listen to him. And the disciples were terrified and fell on their face onto the ground. Then Jesus came over and touched them. Get up, he said. Don't be afraid. And when they got up, Moses and Elijah were gone. And they only saw Jesus. As they went back down the mountain, Jesus commanded them, Don't tell anyone you have seen the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. He did that a lot. Don't tell anybody I did that. Don't tell anybody you saw me. Don't tell anybody that I did this. I'm like, what? And then they all go and tell everybody. You can't help but not to. So here we have Jesus's, uh, he was kind of veiled as he was here walking on the earth. Because we can't fully see his face in all of his glory like Moses. But they were able to see him illuminated on the top of that mountain. And I'm sure they wanted that again and again because they said, hey, we'll build a shelter. We'll build so y'all can stay here and stay like this. We have that shelter and he's within us. We have his presence, his illuminating presence with us at all times. Uh, one morning I asked, Lord, I want to see your face. I want to see your face. And uh, he, he, what he showed me, you know, again, I know, I know that it's my God. It is spirit. But when you know your God, you, you know his voice, you know him. And so he showed his face to me. And what I saw was his face from the top of his head was just dripping with thick honey, was just dripping down from all over him. And I said, Lord, what are you trying to show me in all of this? And he said that he, he sustains. He sustains. And then I'm to partake of him. So I begin to dig just a little bit about honey. 
and honey is the only food that includes all substances necessary to sustain life. If you didn't have anything else on your shelves for the rest of your life, but you had honey, you could live. It includes all kinds of enzymes, minerals, vitamins, and water, everything necessary for the body. Oh, wow. Honey also burns, is good for burns, to heal wounds, to keep you from infections, to heal infections, to keep your heart healthy, protect the body from disease. And then I kept hearing him say, the flow of the blood, the flow of the blood. Honey helps to dilate the arteries that carry the blood to the heart. It increases the blood flow, reducing blood clots so there are no heart attacks or strokes, no blockages. The blood flows freely. So he is the one and only thing that sustains us. We need nothing else but him, his presence. It's things like this. You know, when you ask, it's his presence. It's his face. He showed me. He wanted to show me something. He wanted to teach me something. And you can do that as well. All you have to do is ask. Proverbs 24, 13. Revelation knowledge is a delicacy, sweet like flowing honey that melts in your mouth. Eat as much of it as you can, my friend. Revelation knowledge is a delicacy from our God. And we can have as much of it as we can handle. But revelation comes from being in his presence. Face to face with him. When uh, at the end of May, May 30th, um, I lost my dad. And so here we were just a couple weeks later, um, going to have Father's Day. I thought, wow, that was, that was really quick. So the night before Father's Day, I, I went to bed, and I'm not such a late person any longer. I asked him to help me get to bed sooner. Um, but I was laying in bed, and I was just crying. Like, Lord, tomorrow is Father's Day, and he's not here with me anymore. And all of a sudden, I just saw him. And every time I see him with me, I'm a little girl. It's that childlikeness that he wants out of us. I was just this little girl. He picked me up and he sat me on his lap. And out of his pocket, I saw his hand go into his pocket. And he took out a honeycomb and he handed it to me. And he put his hand in his pocket again, and he took it out. And we sat there, and we ate honeycomb together. That was the sweetest thing that I could have had. 
in that moment. His presence with me. Him sharing his intimacy, showing me how much he loved me as my father in heaven. But it's just that. It's his presence. And all you have to do is think his thoughts. I was in all of my flesh out Friday afternoon. People were making me so angry. I was waiting in line after line after line. At the bank, the line was not moving. I'm like, do you have people inside working? And he's like, well, this is getting pretty ugly. And I'm like, you haven't seen half of it yet. Let's move these lines. And I had to put some music on. I had to begin to pull down his presence because what had happened was I had got distracted. And when distractions come, it pushes his presence aside, which allows our flesh to show up and show out. And thank God it was just me in the vehicle. So I was showing up and showing out just for him. But I had to repent. I'm like, Lord, I'm sorry. I know these people are doing the best that they can. But it's his presence that sustains us. You know how you feel when you're all anxious and you're all worked up, you know, and all mad at all these other people and they don't really even do anything. They're just not moving quick enough for you. Calling him into that, bringing his presence back, brought peace back to me. Because in those distractions, we shove peace aside. In his presence, he's peace. So my peace came back as I turned my face back to his face. His face never turns from us, ever turns from us. It's us that turns our face from him. So you find yourself in that situation, just turn your face back to him. Psalms 27, 8. I have four versions of this just because it's so cool. In the Aramaic Bible, it says, My heart says to you, my face seeks your face. Be my helper, Lord Jehovah. I thought, wow. My face seeks your face, Lord. Hmm. In the New Living Translation, it says, My heart has heard you say, come and talk with me. That's what his face does. It beckons us. Like pastor has been telling us, he woos us. Wooing us. Come talk with me. Come talk with me. And my heart responds, Lord, I'm coming. So when you hear that wooing of the Lord, saying, come, come and talk with me. Get your coffee and say, I'm coming, Lord, coming. In the Amplified, that same verse says, when you said, seek my face in prayer, require my presence as your greatest need. His presence is our greatest need. My heart said to you, 
Your face, O Lord, I will seek on the authority of your word. The word. The word is alive and active, full of power. Cuts down into the bone that joints the marrow. So when he says, I want you to come, he's actually saying, I want you to come. It's not some words that somebody just wrote on a piece of paper that, hey, the Lord is wanting you to come to him. And then finally, the good news translation. When you said, come worship me, I answered, I will come, Lord. I had a, uh, it uh, rose up within me when uh, Pastor Jim here a few weeks ago um, spoke on Henny Here I am, Lord. He used the phrase, when we say here I am, the I am says I'm here. When we say here I am, the I am says, I am here. How cool is that? The I am. The I am is face to face with us. Right now, we can reach out and touch him. We can smell him. I had a friend years ago um, in another church. He did mimes so it was just music and him with his face painted and his gloves on and I, I I couldn't tell you what the song was for nothing but that doesn't matter it was all the actions that went with it it was a mime of you could see the father sitting at the table walking around you know just walking around looking doing what he does best. And then all of a sudden, we see Mike. He went up, he knocked on the door, and the father opened the door, and he just embraced him. He's like, oh, my son, you came, you came. I've been waiting on you, and here you are. He came in, and he sat down. They sat across the table. They were just talking. They were laughing. He was sharing things with them. They were crying. He was comforting Mike. And then Mike would go. And it just showed day after day of him doing that, coming. And the father opening the door and grabbing a hold of him and just hugging him. It's like, ah, oh, you came, you came day after day. And then we see the father's there and he's waiting and he's waiting and he's waiting and he's waiting. And Mike never came. And the father was just like, hmm. He calls for him. He's calling for him. He's calling out Mike. He's calling for him. Mike never came. It had been several days. Mike had got distracted. As we all do in our life, we get distracted. 
the goal is to live in his presence, to never walk back out the door. As soon as Mike showed back up, the father wrapped his arms back around him and hugged him and said, I'm glad you came today. You came. And then they went in and they talked and they chatted. That has just remained with me forever. That sometimes, and I do, sometimes I try to make it where I always sit in the morning. I would sit all day long. But the house does beckon me at times. I mean, I would sit and I would read and I would just worship. And I can do some of that while cleaning the house. The house is distractive to me. And I don't want my husband thinking I just sit and eat bonbons all day either. Psalm 1611, and this is out of the Aramaic Bible. You will show me your path of life, and I shall be full of joy, of your face and the sweetness of victory at your right hand. Joy has become my next thing. My husband asked me, what's your word for the new year? I don't know. It's not the new year yet, although it is the new year in the Hebrew year. Um, he's been telling me that it is joy. But here, in his presence, before his face, is the fullness of joy. I have never liked any of the definitions of joy that I've ever looked up. I said, Holy Spirit, I really need you to give me a definition of this word that I understand that seems like reality to me. And he said, joy is a deep-rooted satisfaction of abiding in him. You know what that is? It's a deep satisfaction of living in his presence. That's what joy is. It depends on nothing but his presence. If you don't have any joy, hightail yourself to his presence. Get face to face with him. Nobody can take that away. If your face is turned from him, your joy is missing. Get your joy back. Go get it back. Turn your face back. Because in his presence is that fullness of joy. And in that fullness, there's no sorrow. There's no worry. There is no fear and there is no doubt. So if you have all of that in your life right now, go get your joy back. Get into his presence. Get face to face with him. I am still look, figuring out and learning to walk this out myself, to stay in his presence and not walk back out that door and come back and knock. He'll always let you back in, always. You're his child but to walk in his presence with him. I had seen him one morning. Uh, he said, you know how I, you take your grandkids, and it was actually, I had just done it, I think the day before, I had taken little Mia, and I just took her little face, and I just kissed all over her face. I was just kissing all over her face, and she was just letting me. 
you know, if I were to grab a hold of some of the older ones and I start to kiss, they're like, oh. You know, it's, it's a game. You know, I have to basically chase them. But he was showing me his hands holding our face. And he was kissing us all over the face. Oh, the love of the Father. The love of the Father for us, just kissing all over our face. In the um, first chapter of Solomon, the Shunammite woman, which is um, the bride. And her bridegroom was there, which is Jesus. She said, ah, oh, I just want to let him smother me in kisses. Smother me in your kisses, your divine kisses. But the thing is, just like I said, we have to let him. We have to be face to face with him. And we have to let him love on us like that. There is um, Peter and John flowed out of love. But one flowed out of his love for his God. And then there was one called the beloved disciple, John. He flowed out of being loved by the Father. There's a difference. Our love wanes. It wanes. We don't mean for it to, but it does. We cannot flow out of the love we have for the Father. We must flow out of the love of the Father for us. That's where everything flows from. Because, and the word tells us, he first loved us. And that's the only way that we could even begin to love him, is because he loved us first. His love never fails. Ours does. Have you ever been failed by somebody's love out there that you thought, Hmm. this person's always going to love me. Hmm. Maybe not. We're supposed to, as brothers and sisters, love each other, him, ourselves, and others, even our enemies, even those that don't like us. That's not an easy task. But our Father loves us regardless, loves them regardless. His love Never, ever, ever fails. He's the same yesterday, today, and for all, ever, and it will always be. First John 1 through 4. And the title to the, at the beginning of this chapter says the living expression. Kind of says it right there, the living expression. Where do you see expression from? The face. And to see expression, 
It has to be alive. Verse 1, we saw him with our very own eyes. We gazed upon him and heard him speak. Our hands actually touched him. The one who was from the beginning, the living expression of God. This life giver was made visible and we have seen him. We testify to this truth. The eternal life giver lived face to face with the father has now dawned upon us. So we proclaim to you that we have seen and heard about this life giver so that we may share and enjoy this life together. For truly our fellowship is with the father and his son, Jesus, the anointed one. We are writing these things because we want to release to you our fullness of joy. Where did they get this fullness of joy? They just told you. Because they have walked and talked and been with the one who gives life, the one who sustains. They were face to face with him. And I like verse 2 where it says, the eternal life giver, Jesus, lived face to face with the Father and has now dawned upon us. As we abide in Jesus, Jesus abides in us. The Father abides in Jesus, so the Father abides in us. We are face to face, Holy Spirit, with Jesus and the Father. It's come back full circle from the garden. For Adam and Eve got to walk and talk with them. We do too. Jesus made a way and rent the veil so that we can now be face-to-face -face with him again and have that fullness of joy. You know, every time I ask, he's always smiling, always, always smiling. Even when he probably should be angry with me, he's still always smiling. <clears throat> My husband just started a new job here a few weeks ago, and... Uh, I'm the one that takes care of the money, and so I'm like, oh, how's this going to all work? And uh, he said, well, and, you know, he said, this is what I want you to give as your tithe. The tithe really isn't the tithe. It's what the Holy Spirit tells us to give. Um, he gave me a number, and he said, this is what I want you to add to what you're giving and give that. Okay. And so when he got his first check, I'm like, I thought that was going to be more. What happened? So we talked about it, and I'm like, okay. Uncle Sam, of course, took his part out. Um, in my nice, distracted mind now, my face is turned from the father because I'm like, okay, that number you gave me, he gets paid twice a month, and so I split that between the two. Okay, so I have to make notes. So I've got notes, and I've got it all wrote down. This is, this is what comes out. So the next day, I go to the bank, 
and uh, I draw out our tithe and some bill money and different things. And uh, I go back home to sit and to do some things. And uh, I kind of see him standing before me. I'm like, huh? You're like, what? what? Hi. I'm trying to deal with the money, right? And uh, I said, well, you told me this number I'm doing. He's like, I multiply. I don't divide. I divided the money, you know, and put here half of this when he gets paid and half of it. He's like, it's not, oh, you meant to put that number on each of those not divided in half, which my heart already knew that. But in my distractedness, in my reasoning, he's like, and so I could just see on his face, he's just sitting there going, the whole time, you know, just like, she got it. But it's those things, you know. Sometimes, have you ever had a child, and I've watched it here and I've had it done to me, you're not paying attention to them. You're holding them, but you're not paying attention to them. Your face is over here and theirs is over here. And they reach over and they take your face. And sometimes, you know, you're still so distracted, you're like, and you turn back. And they're pretty persistent. They're like, whoop, I'm right here. That's what God was doing in that moment with me. He's like, hey, you're glue over here. Hello, come back. He's just that good to us that he will reach over and he will pull us back. There isn't anything in this world that can give us what we need and satisfy us except his presence. I want to just read this small devotional, and then I have a song for us, and it's actually called Show Me Your Face. Um, and what I want us just to do is to um, just worship him and allow our hearts uh, to bow before him and allow him to speak to our hearts and us to minister to him after hearing uh, this word. This is titled, Pay Attention to My Presence. Beloved, I want you to soak in my glory today. Find me in every moment, in every situation. So anything you got going on today, tomorrow, the next day, find him in it. Focus on my truth, his thoughts. Just focus on his thoughts. When facts slam their fist into your vision, and they will, still yourself in my ever-present love. When you're busy, let me love you. Listen with expectation of all I desire to say to you today. Sense my glory filling you so completely that you drip with my presence everywhere you go. That's all. Whole point. So we can drip with his presence. So that we can splash his glory onto somebody else. Because the earth will be full of his glory. This is the joy of walking with me. My tangible presence will 
never dissipate. If something frustrates you or tries to suffocate the awareness of my presence, simply turn your attention back to me. When you sense my presence lifting, it's because you've become distracted by something else. I'm always here. I'm always drawing myself to you. I'm always wooing you. In all that you do, pay attention to the glory of my love and seek me first. Seek me continually. Psalms 139, 7 and 8. Where could I go from your spirit? Where could I run and hide from your face? If I go up to the heaven, you're there. If I go down from the realm of the dead, you're there. If I fly on wings to the shining dawn, you're there. If I fly into the radiant sunset, you're there waiting. He's always there waiting. If everybody will just stand and ha let the Holy Spirit have his way in you and respond 